You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain and on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends. We are also excited to announce that you can listen to us on Broadway Radio. <laughs> now, our guest today is probably best known to audiences as the host of the original Hollywood Squares from 1966 to 1981. But before he was seen in America's living rooms, he was dazzling audiences on Broadway and in the West End with How to Make a Man, directed by Eddie Bracken, Skyscraper with Julie Harris, and the West End premiere of Bye Bye Birdie. After Hollywood Squares ended, our host returned to the stage in the Broadway and national touring companies of La Cage au Fall, as well as the big screen to appear as Burt Healy in the movie of Annie. Remember that? He also is the author of one of our favorite books, Backstage with the Original Hollywood Square, which discusses his time hosting America's favorite game show. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Cheetah Rivera, Charles Nelson Riley, and Tommy Noonan, here is today's Center Square, Peter Marshall. So now, Peter, I have to tell you, the first Broadway show I ever saw was La Cage au Fall, and you were the first actor I ever laid eyes on. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I have to thank you. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be sorry for. I, I thank you so much for getting me uh, on this track. It's been amazing, so I owe you big time. <laughs> it sure was fun to do. I did it. Uh, where'd you catch me? At the Palace? Yeah, at the Palace in 1987. Yeah, right. Oh, goodness. Wow. Rob, uh... That was a lovely production. Akeen, my, and my co-star, was so, just so wonderful. It was a very happy company. We, we kept losing boys, which was distressing, yeah. you know. But uh, Keen, who played my lover, he was just wonderful. He really was. He, oh. We lost him, too. But he... Uh, he, he was. It was a fun company. We just had a. We were together three years. I was going to ask you. You went on the road with the show right before it landed up in New York. I yeah. I did the, the national company, and then I then we went to did the New York company. Yeah. How did the national tour come about for you? They called me and said, "Would you like? Uh, would you would you audition for us?" For, oh, you know. And I said, "Sure." And uh, what I did it was at the Pantages here in L.A. and. Uh, and uh, I, I really loved loved the play so much. I went in. I actually worked on a couple of the scenes with a with a uh, coach, and uh, and so uh, I went in. And I I did the best audition of my life. 
<laughs> and and Alan Carr was there, the producer, and he said, uh, and I just knew I had it, and I got a call from my agent the next day. They said, uh, Arthur Lawrence, the director, wasn't there. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, Arthur's not interested. He thinks you're too Midwestern. What? And I said, I said okay, all right, if that's the case. And uh, they called me about two days later, and they said, Arthur Lawrence wants to see you. So I went back and did the worst audition of my life and got the job. <laughs> why, wait, why was it the worst audition? I, I really did. It was a lousy audition. Because oh uh, I didn't have my pianist. I had some guy, and, 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 and I did the screen scene with, with the stagehand or something. And I said, well, I, I sure blew that. And they called me about three hours and said, yes, they, they want you to wow. do it. Wow. <laughs> Because you had been hosting for so long, but had you done a stage musical? Uh, I got dogs. Honey, can oh, you I... shut them up? They're screaming at my gardeners. <laughs> oh, God. They hate the, they hate the, the, the leaf blower. Uh, I got what, kind, what kind of dogs do you have, Peter? I have two. Well, uh, they're all rescues. I have a... A pure chow, and then I have a mixed chow, and then I have a pure shih tzu and a mixed shih tzu. So uh, we have four dogs, and we we are we love our dogs, and my whole family actually, all my kids. Uh, we're kind of a we're kind of a an animal group here. Uh huh. And are you still out in Los Angeles? I'm still. Yep, I live in Encino. Right. Now, and before we go on, tell us a little bit about the radio show you were doing prior to joining us on the phone today. I've been on radio for, gosh, over 20 years, I guess, doing a thing called Music of Your Life. It's uh, When I first started, we had like 208 stations, and now we're down to 37 stations, but oh, wow. we're all over the world on the Internet. If you ever want to get it, just go to musicofyourlife.com. I'm on from 9 on the West Coast. I'm on from 9 to 11 every day. And Are you in New York? Yeah, we're in New York City. I, I'm like, I go on at 12 to 2, and then they repeat it at night, yeah. Oh, wow. And, it's, yes. and I just talk about 40s music, 30s music, and I'm, I'm kind of the guy that knows all about that stuff. That's what I really do. I'm, I'm really a singer, and that's uh, how I started, and, and I'm into big band kind of stuff. And I have mm -hmm. a couple of things that are on PBS with Nick Clooney and myself. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Debbie Boone, it's very successful, all about the same music. Yeah. I'm right. sorry, go ahead, I interrupted you. I was going to ask you, who's your favorite big band artist? My favorite big band? Well, you can't point like say, who's your favorite movie star? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I loved, I loved the, the uh, Tommy Dorsey band, I loved the Artie Shaw band, uh, Benny Goodman. I mean, I, I mean, they were all wonderful, and that's how I started. I was a band singer. Yeah, Actually, I should ask you, did you have a favorite one that you sang with? Uh, well, I didn't sing with that. I did not have a great success as a band singer. Mm. Uh, the war came along, and I went to the war, and after that I became part of a comedy team. And So I got into uh, the band thing. Just I was just a little too young for it. Uh, my, a couple of my contemporaries, Mike Douglas and, uh, and Merv, were a little older than me. And they, uh, Merv sang with the, with the Kay Kaiser band, and, and Mike with uh, well, what the hell's the name of the band anyway. They were a little older, and they 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 had a better chance at it. But uh, if you know, I I I know all about that music, and that and that that was my era. And I I feel so badly for the children today not being able to yep. hear good music. You know, you know what, Peter? If a young student was looking to start their love of big band music, what would be the first album that you would recommend to them, or where's the first place they should start looking? 
Oh, I would go get uh, well. If you, I would go get some singers. You know, I would get all the the early Sinatra, especially. You get Tommy mm-hmm. Dorsey, uh, this from forty one, forty two, forty three, with with Frank, and then get Frank, uh, not at the end, but in the middle, uh, like some of the stuff from the fifties uh, and sixties. And it's they're two different singers actually. True, mm-hmm. but even as a young man, he just he phrased so beautifully, and then get uh, the the other. Singers that I really love with Dick Ames, he was my favorite. I think. Yeah. And uh, and Bob Everly, and uh, people like that. But there was, you know, and uh, but to hear wonderful bands, I'd get, I put them on the Artie Shaw and Benny Goodman and Tommy Dorsey. Was your family very musical when you were growing up? Was there a lot of music in the house? Uh, yes, there was. My mother was very musical, and my dad very musical. Uh, uh, age, she was only thirty-eight, but. Um, I can remember my father. My mother taught me. Uh, I I could sing. She said I could sing before I could speak. You know, I could do I could do tunes because there was always music in my house. And I can remember my dad singing HMS. Well, I don't know, twenty five years ago or whatever. They called me. They said, "Would you like to do HMS Pinafore in London?" I had never seen. I'd never seen Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. I thought about. It, I said, "Sure." Yes, I'd love to do that. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Learning HMS Pinafore, you know, was... and But I went over there, and I did it with Frankie Howard. Now, you probably never heard of Frankie Howard. But Frankie Howard was the biggest comic in in, in England. Yeah. Yeah, he was huge. And I played, of course, the captain. He was uh, yeah. Sir, Sir Joseph. And we did it live. And uh, it, 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 a lot of nice things ha- happened out of that because... First of all, it was just so much fun to do, and it was very successful. They sold a lot of CDs and things, especially. But many years later, I'm saying to to my wife, Laurie, I said, Honey, you know, the only thing I really regret in my life is not having a Hirschfeld. And because uh, oh. I've done a lot of Broadway. I've done, and uh, she said, uh, she went online, and I got a canceled check uh, out of her account for like $12,000. I said, What the hell is this? It's, it's your Christmas gift. And I said, honey, I don't need a goddamn thing in this world. <laughs> this kind of money. She said, well, I think you might enjoy it. So Christmas came along, and I opened this package, and there I am, my oh. Hirschfeld doing HMS Pinafore in London with Frankie Howard. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, we were very musical, and my mother taught me all these wonderful songs, and and uh, she put me in dancing school when I was about six. My sister, oh. Joanne, she was in dancing school, and, and it, that really came in handy because... My first big musical uh, was in London. It was Bye Bye Birdie, where I did That's the, right. uh, the, you know, the Happy Face number. And you were Albert, yeah. They said, can you dance? I said, you bet your butt I can dance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I did the big dance number in Lacage, You in My Arms. and So that came in handy, too. It's amazing. You know, people, young people say, well, how should I do? I said, well, first of all, try to get a job around show business. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're delivering scripts, you know, mail, whatever. I said, but learn things. Learn how to fence. Learn how to ride. Learn how to dance. Learn how to do all this stuff. You never know when it's going to really come in handy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everything I learned as a young man came in handy. So how did the uh, the comedy act come about? Didn't you start that like when you were fifteen or something like that with uh, Tommy Noonan? Yes, it was very successful. Uh, well, how, how that came about is very simply. Uh, he was my brother-in-law's brother. 
my brother-in-law at one time was John Ireland, and Tommy Noonan is John's brother. Oh. And uh, so we had met, and we were having dinner one night or something, and he had just he was, had been under contract to RKO, and they just dropped him, and and I I owed a dental bill of sixty seven dollars. And uh, and we were just talking about old comedy teams, Wheeler and Woolsey, and people you'd never heard of. And uh, he said, I said, hey, let's put a little thing together, and maybe I can pick up a couple of hundred dollars and pay this damn dental bill off. <laughs> this is in 1949. And uh, we put an act together. It only ran about 26 minutes. And we were working in a little club called the Zambawanga, and it was a really cute act. And uh, Paulie Bergen was a good friend of mine. And Paulie was working at a place called Billy Gray's Bandbox, which was a Jewish club here, very famous. A lot of people, Hackett came out, a lot of people came out of that club. Mm-hmm. And, and they needed an act for one night. And she said, I got these two friends of mine to do an act. Uh, and so they put us in for one night, and we, we were a smash. We stayed 16 weeks. Oh. And that was the beginning of it. And then a year later, we're starring at, we're starring at the, the Martinique in New York. The Martinique and, and and the Copa, and uh, and it was a very successful act. In fact, on my 90th birthday, they just had a party for me, and uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm gonna let let a dog out. Hey, come here, Kenny. Come here, here. No, I don't want you out there. They got come here. You hear, Daddy? Come on, let's go. Come on. <laughs> no, you know what? No, I'm not gonna let you out the door. No, the the gardeners are out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, where the hell was I? So actually, before we go back to New York, where did you grow up, Peter? I, I was uh, West Virginia, but uh, I went to New York when I was 12. Were you seeing a lot of Broadway shows at that time? First show I ever saw, I was 12 years old, 1938. My uh, sister, Joanne, took me to see Leave It To Me. <gasps> uh, you never heard of Leave It To Me. Oh, no, we have oh, heard yes, of Leave have. It To Me. <laughs> it's, it, it was Gaxton and Moore, Bill Gaxton and yeah. Victor Moore, who I adored, and there was a little girl that did the striptease and sang My Heart Belongs to Daddy, and that was Mary Martin. You saw Mary Martin live? That's amazing. <laughs> well, Mary Martin live. Not only that, the next night I, went, I got to go see Yoko Boys, which was Buddy Epson and his sister Vilma. They were a very oh. famous dance team. And I started, <clears throat> I, that's all I did. I saw Broadway shows. But <coughs> I, uh, <coughs> when I was about 14, my sister was doing Hold On To Your Hats. You ever hear of Hold On To Your Hats? That was Jolson's last show. And uh, Martha Ray was in the show, The Mad Russian. And my sister was then Joanne Marshall before she was Joanne Drew. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I got my name. And uh, <coughs> Jolson was in love with my sister and she was like 18 or 19 years old oh wow yeah and after he used to do one after my dog is driving me no teddy stop it now just stop it honey you can't go out there the gardeners are out there oh god Joseph was in love with my sister and uh he used to come up to our apartment on 93rd street on the west side and, and my mother couldn't stand him and uh and I was an usher at the Riviera Theater on 100, uh, let me see, it was about 109th Street. No, 103rd, maybe, and Broadway. And he said, hey, Kitty, what do you want to do in your life? I said, I want to be a singer. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, but 
my job, he said, I was only 14, but I was 6'3". I want to be an usher at the Paramount Theater. And he said, you're kidding, I can do that for you. He got on the phone. He said, give me Bobby Whiteman, you know. No, yeah, Bobby's not there. Give me Bobby Shapiro. Yeah, this is Jolie. Hey, Jolie. And he did this whole thing. He said, you start Friday, kid. Al Jolson got you your first job. Yeah, Jolson got me my first job. <laughs> that is incredible. So you, I'm, so would you go back for a second and tell our listeners a, a little bit about Gaxton and Moore? Oh, Gaxton, Gaxton and Moore. Victor Moore was so brilliant. Did you ever see the thing he did with uh, with Eddie Arnold called Pay the Man the $2? No, I have not. There's a film, it's a little short. Uh, you could probably get it. It's called Pay the Man the $2. And it's about a guy walking down the street with his lawyer, and he spits. And a cop says, I'm going to give you a ticket for that. That'll be $2. And Eddie Arnold said, don't pay the man. We'll fight this. Well, it goes on, and he it's finally he's electrocuted at the end. He keeps saying he's in the chair. You pay the man. It's brilliant. I mean, it's, Victor Moore used to make me scream. But I saw Gaxton and Moore. It was my first show I ever saw. Yeah. Now, when you were singing, did you know that you eventually wanted to get into musical theater, or did you just think you were going to be singing with, with bands for the rest of your life? I didn't know. I, I just trying to make up enough money to eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I never said, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I went from one job to the other. In fact, I was singing with the band, and I hadn't, I hadn't finished school. And I said, i got to go back to high school, because the war was on, and if you didn't have a diploma, you went right in the infantry. So I quit everything, and I went back to Huntington, West Virginia, which was my home. And uh, I finished high school in a year and a half. Then I went to California. This is 43. Mm-hmm. And what, honey? Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Are they all burnt? Oh, God, honey. My wife's making cookies for somebody, and they all burned. Oh, oh no. Oh, yeah? Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway. Now yeah, that happens. You know what? I'll eat the burnt cookies if she's willing to mail them here. I'll eat anything. <laughs> Tell her it's not a total waste. <laughs> now what? what? What would you like to ask? I can remember my first Broadway show was in 65. No, actually, my first Broadway show was in 59. A thing called uh, How to Make a Man. It was a mm-hmm. play. And Eddie Bracken directed that one, right? Yeah. I said, that's very good. Thank you, sir. I can remember... Uh, it was the worst snowy night in the history of New York, the night we opened. And uh, Tennessee Williams was sitting there, like, by himself. And it wasn't a very good play. And I played a robot, so I was in, in silver, and I got great reviews. <laughs> <laughs> we opened at the Cass Theater in Detroit, which is no more. And uh, anyway, it, it wasn't a very good play, but uh, that was my first Broadway. Uh, mm. Tommy and I were both in it. It, was, oh. it, it starred Tommy, uh, what the heck was her name, uh, actress, uh, Barbara Britton, and Vicki Cummings. Remember Vicki Cummings? She was a very big character actress. And Eric Rhodes was in the uh, Eric Rhodes. Remember Eric Rhodes? That's an ensemble. That's a cast right there. Yeah. And uh, the set was gorgeous. I remember that. 
uh, trying to think. A very famous guy did the set. Harry. Harry Horner. Harry Horner. Very famous. The set was gorgeous, and the play was lousy. What was the play about, Peter? Uh, it was about an hour and a half, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Long ago, I don't remember what the play was about. There were robots. There were robots. Uh, it was about, I just played a robot, I remember that. And uh, I can remember in the in theater, rehearsing in the back, was Neil Simon, and it was his first play, and they were waiting for us to close so they could come into the theater. <gasps> oh, wow. What was his first play? It was a... Uh, come Blow Your Horn. Come Blow Your Horn. They were rehearsing in the lobby, waiting for us to die. Really? Wow. Yeah. I can remember that vividly. I think Hal March was in the show. Hal was a friend of mine. As I recall, Hal was in the show somewhere. I don't... Anyway, it's a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, and my uh, first yeah. musical was uh, Skyscraper with uh, Julie and, and Charles. Well, oh, we yeah, we have questions about Skyscraper. But first, how did you... We have questions about Skyscraper, but first, when you did Bye Bye Birdie in London, how in the world did that come about? I had a friend of mine who was a fighter. He was a heavyweight champion of Texas. He had never been to uh, uh, the famous drugstore, um, oh, God, uh, in, in Hollywood. Uh, Schwab's? No. So I, I didn't go to Schwab's. So I took him to Schwab's. For lunch, and the guy came over to me and said, "You're perfect." I said, "That's I. I understand that." <laughs> Would you like to fly to San Francisco tomorrow and audition for a play? I said, "What's the play?" He said, "Well, it's in London. It's Bye Bye Birdie with Cheetah Rivera, and they're unhappy." I think um, I forget who was um, the actor. I'm having problems with names all of a sudden. Anyway, uh, so I've. I was with Tommy then working, and we were going to open it in in, uh, in New Jersey, and in about three weeks or something. So I flew up, and Gower was there. It was the National Company with my good friend Bill Hayes, who I'd worked the Roxy with years late, uh, earlier. And uh, I auditioned, and uh, they said, "Would you like to go to London? You have to leave in two days. We need to got to get a passport." I said, "I got to talk to my partner." So I went back. I said, Tommy, I've been offered a thing in London uh, to do Birdie over there. And what do you think? He said, well, it's your partner. It's going to kind of screw me up. But it's your, your friend. Don't blow this. So uh -huh. three days later, I was in London. And it was that simple. Wow. That's, uh, I, I, and I can't believe that he just walked up to you at a restaurant. I mean, at the Schwab's. And <laughs> he, he was uh, working for an agency. And they, um, I'll, I'll give you the name. This guy, with John Dahl, he did that wonderful movie. Uh, there's just the two on the train. Uh, Farley Granger. Oh, yeah. Farley Granger was rehearsing, and they didn't like Farley Granger, and they tried uh. everybody. So I was doing a play in L.A. called What This Country Needs, and this, uh, this guy caught the play. Wow. And, uh, and it was a, kind of a tour de force. It was a, it was a musical. Ray Gilbert wrote it. Uh, anyway, that's a long story. I won't digress. That's all right. Uh, anyway, I did this play, and this guy saw it and fell in love with me. And he said, you're perfect for this thing in London. And actually, Michael Stewart, who I fell in love with, he was a wonderful man, who wrote 
he wrote yes. that. And yes. Michael Michael was directing. And of all the directors, I've worked with a lot of directors, you know. I've worked with yeah. uh, some of the, He was the best director I ever worked with. And yeah. they, they were off book, of course. And uh, uh, so and the same thing happened with Skyscraper. Uh, I was in... Uh, I was a, a guy came up to me and said, yeah, "They're looking for. Would you fly to New York and audition for Skyscraper?" Uh, I'll think of this guy's name in a second too, because I've always felt badly about it. They, they snuck me in and I auditioned with Julie, and and Conan Van Usen and and uh, Mart, uh, Fjord Martin. They snuck me in and I auditioned and they offered me. I never went back to California. Don Chastain. Oh, Don Chastain. Yeah. He was rehearsing, and uh, they didn't like him, and they hired me. I, I didn't have any money to be speak of, and so I stayed with Cheetah, and, and she was then married to Tony Mordetti. And so I stayed with Cheetah and Tony for about a month. She was out of town, so I, I had the apartment, and then uh, we rehearsed, then we went to you know the Fisher Theater, and, and then back to New York, and we were in previews for like three years or something. <laughs> and but it wasn't a hit but we ran about a year and it was the most wonderful year of my life so Peter I want to ask you uh, tell me a little bit about this Dorothy Kilgallen thing yeah I can tell you exactly what happened we were in previews and Kilgallen came in and reviewed the show uh, the previews which is you just don't do that and I can remember she died like a week later and somebody said, how did she die? And one of the gypsies said, it was a broom crash. That's <laughs> terrible. It, it was a broomstick crash. <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. But that's unheard of. That it, that it never happened. Somebody coming in to, to write a review during the preview period? We opened, and we got, I don't know if you know this, we got phenomenal reviews. And... Word of mouth killed us in about a year. We couldn't be as good as we were opening night. Oh, they pa they they panicked. You know, that's when I realized that nobody knows. You know, I think it was uh, who was it that said that nobody no. It's true. You can open an office and say if anybody knew, they could open an office and say I know. Uh, yeah. Is this going to work? No. Give me fifteen hundred dollars. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, is this going to work? Yes. And give me fifteen hundred, but nobody knows. They they really don't know. The season, the guy that wrote the season, he's the guy that said nobody knows, and he's right. Nobody mm -hmm. knows. I saw Fjorn Martin panic. I saw the only one that never panicked was Peter Stone. And he kept oh, coming wow. in with more dialogue. The problem was, the best written part in the show was me, the, yeah. the guy, and I got all these wonderful reviews in in Detroit, and. And Julie, they didn't like, and she was going to quit. They're going to bring in Phyllis Newman. And I said, Julie, don't do this to me. Go, You can't quit. And she hung in there. And she, she was wonderful in the show. But the best written part was mine, so they, they, they kept cutting my stuff. Oh. They kept cutting my stuff. And, and, and they started just taking the original book was wonderful. It's Dream Girl. How could you screw up Dream Girl? It's wonderful. It was such well, so by the time we out of previews, it was just a shell of its original form. Mm -hmm. But the music was wonderful, Conor Van Heusen, you know, and, and and I loved Julie. And then Charles, Victor Spinetti opened originally, and they got rid of him, and they brought in Charles Nelson Reilly. 
let me tell you, the funniest night I've ever seen in the theater is his opening night in Detroit. Mm-hmm. He had only seen the show like once, and he rehearsed for like an hour and a half, and he went on. He didn't know any of the dialogue or the or the song. <laughs> my, my, my name is Tim Bushman in the show. And he said, about that Mr. Cushman, Cushman, Lushman, Dushman. She says, Bushman, that's the guy. <laughs> her eyes got bigger than they normally were, and she had blood coming out of her lip. And she fell in love. That's done. She fell in love with Charles. Oh. It was the funniest night I've ever seen. I had no scenes with him because it was Dream Girl. All my scenes were with Julie. Oh, my God. He, he You know... Victor Spinetti was a tiny little man, and he had he had Victor Spinetti's clothes on, and he says an armoire. <laughs> and he opens the armoire, and he goes right through it. <laughs> oh, it, it was just a great night in the theater. Oh, God, was that fun. He was so... Did you know Charles? I had met him a few times before he passed, and I thought he was such a charming guy. What a wonderful man. What is what wrong with him? I've never seen him like this. He, I let him out. Uh, we have this beautiful child dog, and he, he's barking. We don't know why he doesn't do this. wonder what it is. Uh, you took him for a walk, didn't you? you don't think, let me feel his nose. Hang on. Oh, he, no, he's got a cold nose. He's fine. <laughs> and he's walking well. Okay, honey, i got to do this interview. <laughs> okay, baby. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, no, that's, that's right. And your wife is so sweet, by the way. She's been so kind to set all this up. Nothing about show business. Which- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just great. Now, let me ask you, what was it like working with Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Heusen? I knew Jimmy Van Heusen since I'm a kid. Uh, really? Chester. His real name was Chester Babcock. And I, called, and I, and I did know Sammy, but I have a cute, I got a cute story. I've ever did a book, and this was worth the Fisher Theater, and there was a bar across the street that all, we used to go in every night after the show. And I used to sing a song these two guys wrote, and I would kill. I killed with this song, and and they said, "Do you think you could help us with this?" I said, "I'm going to bring in Sammy Cunn and Jimmy Van Heusen." So I said, "Hey guys, there's these guys wrote a song. It's really a great song." Why don't you guys buy this thing? Give them like ten thousand, publish it, and they, we went over and I sang this song, and I killed. And they said, "I said, what do you think?" And they said, "Banal." I said, "Banal." Okay, banal. These guys, they they don't, they must know. 
a year later, I'm going down to 101, and I hear, I hear Tony Bennett singing, For once in my life, I have someone who needs me, someone <laughs> I've needed so long. That was banal. That was banal. $10 million. <laughs> oh, my. Nobody knows. Yeah. Anyway, I, I enjoyed them very much. Uh, Sammy was so sweet. And Jimmy was, you know, Jimmy... Jimmy was Jimmy. I used to hang out when I was working with Tommy Noonan. I worked at Palm Springs all the time, and he lived there. And he had a house, and uh, it was always full of pretty girls. And so I used to hang out there a lot. Anyway, but Jimmy, they were always they were wonderful. And, you know, just look at their their work. I mean, it got a mighty. I just did it on my radio show this morning. I just did a whole thing on Sammy Khan. It was his birthday that uh, Sammy and I did a whole thing. I did two hours on Sammy Khan. What a catalog, though, that they have. You don't believe it. It's just unbelievable. And that stuff he did with Johnny Burke is just... And uh, and actually, Sammy wrote with a lot of different people. He wrote with maybe 10 different... You know, like uh, Teach Me Tonight, he wrote that with uh, the kid... Uh, what the heck was his name? He wrote with, with, with Brodsky. He wrote Be My Love. He, he wrote with a lot mm-hmm. of different people. You know, And the stuff he did with Julie Stein, I mean, God. Oh, the stuff with Julie Stein's fantastic. Yeah. So, but he, And he was a cute man. He, he, you know, he did a wonderful act. He worked Vegas. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He'd come out and he'd tell stories and sing and talk about and tell stories. He was wonderful. That, he could do, go, out, go out and do concerts. You know, I mean, he and he would just for the piano player and he'd sing these songs that he wrote and he'd tell stories about them and and it was a great evening. Now, also, Mike, you got to work with Michael Kidd, one of the greatest choreographers in musical theater. Michael Kidd, yeah. And what was it like working with him? I admire him so much. Oh, he's wonderful. The choreography was just brilliant. It's called Skyscraper. The opening number with all the girls in the skyscraper was phenomenal. Last time I talked to Michael, I was doing an act with two girls called, uh, and then she wrote. It was an evening of women songwriters. And, uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I, I had two girls with me, and I had a girl pianist and a girl. We worked a, a metropolitan room in New York. Anyway, uh, I wanted to choreograph it. And I called Michael. I said, Michael, I know you're not, you know, would you like to do this? He just laughed. He said, no, Petey, I can't do this. But uh, that's the last time I talked to him. I would run into him every once in a while. And he loved directing more than anything. I don't think he was a great director, but he sure was a great choreographer. Brilliant. I mean, you've got Seven Brides for Seven Brothers or Guys and Dolls and the stuff they're doing is so incredible. Now, when you were uh, working with Tommy Noonan, would you tell me a little bit more about him? He was a comedy actor, but he was also a very serious actor. But he was crazy as a loon. He was <laughs> wonderfully mad. And uh, as an example, we're, uh, Goebel did a, George Goebel was a friend of ours, and he had a television show that was very successful. Then he did a musical uh, hour a variety show. He would do it one week and Eddie Fisher would do it the next. And we went on the show and we were a big smash. And so we were signed to do like eight shows. And uh, <laughs> I come to rehearsal, uh, you know, on the week after we do our show. It's going to be Eddie Fisher. And he was on Eddie Fisher's show. And then, anyway, I can't find Tommy. He's doing a play in San Francisco. And I said, are you crazy? We've got a television series. He said, I, I've decided to go back to the theater. <laughs> 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 I had to go up to San Francisco and grab him uh, and bring him back. <laughs> we we did some really good stuff. There's a movie called uh, Starlift. We just we do just one little spot in Starlift. That, how how that happened? I, this I don't know if this is boring you or not. 
they call us one day. They they said, "Would you guys go to San Francisco and do a couple of shows and entertain these uh, army troops?" And they said, "We'll pay you for it." I said, well, "Why are you paying us for it?" They said, "Well, we're filming it because we need to see army guys laugh." Okay, so we go up, we do a couple of shows, and they film the audience. They bring it back, and Jack Warner said, "Who in the hell are these guys laughing at?" He said, "They're laughing at an act called Noonan and Marshall." And he said. Well, let's put them in the movie. The movie was a terrible movie. Every everybody's contract was up at Warner's, so they threw them into this awful movie. Doris Day and, and Gary Cooper, and I mean, they want us to do a thing where uh, the Chef Alberti thing we did with called a guy making a pousse cafe cake, and uh, it was one of the highlights of our act. And Tommy said, "We want ten thousand dollars now. Ten thousand dollars in nineteen forty nine or nineteen fifty was like 100000 today, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I said, we'll never get that. And they gave it to us. Wow. And we do this thing. We shoot it. takes us maybe an hour and a half. Time magazine came out and said, this may be the worst movie of the year, but go see it uh, just to see Tommy Noonan and Pete Marshall. Wow. Very cute spot we do. So if you ever want to take a look at early Noonan and Marshall, uh, take a look at Starlift. All right. Oh yeah. Well, the movies on our own. We did the thing called The Rookie, which was very successful, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we did another movie called uh, Swinging Along, which wasn't very successful. Tommy was a, a, a brilliant comic. He was just this wonderful guy. In fact, we were signed to do Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Oh really? Zanuck was in New York, and he saw a guy by the name of Elliot Reed, and he he signed him. They didn't know that they had signed the two of us, so they paid me off. And Tommy did, you know, gentlemen prefer blonde. I was supposed wow. to do the part opposite uh, Jane Russell. Wow. In fact, Jane Russell used to talk about this in her act when she did her act. She said the original guy was supposed to be Pete Marshall, and and then I don't know. But uh, but and Tommy was wonderful. Uh, there's a wonderful movie where he plays a, a peeping Tom. He was, uh, and he died very young. He was only 48. And we had broken up because I went to London. But we remained very close. We were very close friends. Now, Peter, isn't it true that you and Tommy introduced Rowan and Martin to each other from Rowan and Martin's Laughing? We did. They didn't even know each other. We introduced them. We wrote their act. We got them an agent, and we booked them. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever read my book? I devoured your book. Yeah, the story is in that. and It's in the book. Yeah, and just to remind our listeners, the book is called Backstage with the Original Hollywood Square, and it's actually very cool. Because it comes with a CD uh, with some of the best lines from the television show. In fact, I bought it for my father as a, as a uh, Christmas gift, and I never gave it to him. It was a very successful book. It took me over a year to do that thing, and, and you're not going to make any money with it, really. But it, uh, people said, dude, t- t- let's talk about it, because that, that's all people want to know about. They don't want to know about Broadway. They don't want to know about Nuna Marsh. They want to know about squares. I mean, this really? is my 75th year in show business, guys. I only did squares for, what, 15 years or something. Yeah, we're, we're, interested, we're interested in everything. Well, the hell, I'm still working. I'm still doing. And I've got, I'm doing a... I'm going to be in San Francisco. I'm doing two shows up there with the Tex Bedigge band. I'm going to be in Cerritos with the Betty Goodman band. <laughs> you know. When you do your act, what do you think goes over the best with the audience? Is is there one song over the other? I'm very immodest about the way I sing. I sing wonderfully well. That's what I really do well. And uh, and for some strange reason, I'm still singing as well as I've ever sung. 
and, and oh. I sing these beautiful songs. I mean, it's the best material in the world, and I tell stories about them. You know, you how I started and who influenced me, and I tell little stories about, you know, about, you know, about the, the artists who did them. And, uh, and I, I end the show with a song called This Is All I Ask. Do you know the song? Yeah, it's gorgeous. That was written for me. I introduced that song. I did not know that. Yeah. Gordon Jenkins wrote that for me. I did Manhattan Tower for Gordon Jenkins oh. and, uh, on television. I, I was the guy, Helen O'Connell and myself. I just saw it for the first time. I just saw a little of it. They found it. Because uh, it was live, hour and a half live in color on NBC. It was, you know, uh, I just saw it on my 90th birthday. A guy put all the film together, and there I was. But Gordon uh, wrote, I, I did a show called, all, uh, what was it called? All About Sin at the Tropicana with Tommy. And we were there for eight months or nine months, and it was a book show. We brought Eddie Fisher in. He came in for three months. Carol Channing came in, you know, and I, I had the first act singing, This Is All I Ask. Yeah. That's why I tell stories like that and, yeah. and like stories I'm telling you guys, you know. Yeah. And you know, Peter, there's uh, some footage of you singing recently that's online. You sound just like you sounded 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So I have to, I have to ask you: Do you take voice lessons, or do you do anything to keep your voice in that good of a shape, or that's just a natural gift? Lessons. I don't warm up. I don't do anything. <laughs> that's right. I wish I could help somebody and show them this is how you do it. I don't know how I do it. It just comes out effortless. I, I can remember in London once Cheetah. Entered from stage, from stage right. I entered from stage left, and they they do the opening number. And I look up one day, and there's Cheetah warming up, and there's me warming up. She's warming up singing, and I'm warming up dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but she never had the warm up dancing. She just <laughs> and I just used to go, okay. And we and we look at each other. She's singing, yeah, and I'm 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 doing bends and plies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now, I have to ask you, when you were doing uh, the TV show, did you have to turn down a lot of theater work that was coming your way, or were you able to, to do the... I would work Vegas 27 weeks a year. Say that one more time, 27 weeks a year? I would, I would know. I would go to Vegas and work. It was my act with my five kids. I had five kids with me, uh, called the Chapter 5, and I would go to... I had a deal... With Suma, that's uh, Howard Hughes, and, and then I had another deal for ten years with. Uh, so I opened for Cosby, I opened for Joan Rivers, I opened for Hackett and Jerry Lewis, oh, wow. and Bob Newhart, and I would fly in and do squares. It took me four and a half hours, did the whole week, and I'd fly back to Vegas. Then we would take, we would get ten weeks ahead, and I go out and do theater in the summer. You know, not a lot of celebrities today do stock at all. They don't really go around and tour in the summer the way it used to be. Uh, where all did you go? I'm very proud of all the actors that go back to New York and are doing plays. I, I, I you know, the television people. It's wonderful. Yeah, uh, and, and the and the film people. I think it's great, and uh, that that. But we used to go out and do stock about eight weeks every year. Wow. Paul would go. I would go. Uh, we did great. We used to fill out joints. You know, uh, Squares was, you know, Paul did better than I did. Paul was, actually, Paul was the star of Squares. I wasn't. He got more mail, and he did 
you know, we'd go out and do theater. I'd go out and do Music Matter. I'd go out and do Guys and Dolls. And then I'd do a play, you know, Cactus Flower or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. what we did, yeah. Every summer we'd go out for eight weeks. We'd get eight, we'd go ten weeks ahead. We'd go out and do eight weeks of theater, all of us. Did you enjoy going out on the road with, the, with different shows like that? Oh, I loved it. It was the most fun. What's better than doing theater? Well, maybe hey. singing with a band. I mean, what hey. I do for, what we did for a living was the most fun I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite role when you were out there on the road? I loved doing George and Lakage. I really did. Yeah. I I loved doing uh, I loved doing Harold Hill. I loved doing Sky. I loved mm-hmm. you know. I I did I did the thing in Vegas that nobody ever did. I did two shows a night of two different plays. I was the Thunderbird. The first show I would do High Button Shoes. Second show I do Anything Goes. My God. <laughs> you would do two different shows a day. And, and seven nights a week. You would do High Button Shoes and then you would do Anything Goes. I, where I play a, you know, a baggy pants comic and then I play Billy and, and Anything Goes. That's incredible. So you would do the Phil Silvers role in the... Uh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I did that at the Thunderbird for almost a year. Uh, for seven <laughs> nights a week. For Monty Prozer. You ever hear Monty Prozer? Yeah. He was like my surrogate father. I loved Monty Prozer. He was uh. the Copacabana. And uh, his son just wrote a book about him called Copacabana. It's, uh, he, he was the most wonderful man. And I, I've known him since I'm, what, 12 or 13 years old. Through my wow. Daughter, of course. And every, I worked for Monty. His club's in New York. And I worked at Thunderbird. I worked at Tropicana when he booked that. I worked, I worked with Monty all my life. Oh, what a wonderful man! And I'm I'm in I'm doing a movie in uh, Rome called The Cavern, and he's got Dick Sean doing this uh, these two these two shows, and uh, Dick goes back to New York to do uh, Forum, and he calls me, <laughs> and he said, "Can you open Monday? This is like a Wednesday." I said, "I said I, I'm coming home on Sunday. I'm looping." I said, what do you want me to do? I thought maybe he wanted me to sing a couple of songs. He said, I want, we're doing Anything Goes in High Button Shoes. I said, yeah. He said, Dick Sean's leaving. Can you open Monday? I said, are you crazy? This is Wednesday. He said, I'm sending you the script. He said, i tell you what. Just learn Anything Goes, and then we'll put the other show in later. Wow. He said, this is true. He sends me Anything Goes. I learn anything goes in two days. I get home on a Sunday. I re- go to Vegas. I rehearse Sunday with Dick Humphreys, who was a wonderful dancer. He died very young. He was directing. And I opened Monday night. And I said, how much am I getting? He said, I'm going to give you 15 Now, this is 1963, I guess. I'm going to give you $1,500. He said, that's all I got. I said, okay. So about two weeks later, he said, we're putting in... High button shoes. He said, we go to rehearsal tomorrow. I said, great. How, how much more am I getting? He said, I got to cut you $215. I got to pay the band more. All right, what, what roles do you still want to play? What roles do I want to play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else was on the list? For me to play? I don't know. Uh, no, I, everything worked out great. That's, That's, there's nothing I, I, I want for nothing. And did you no ever reflect? I'm glad I got to do Lacage. I wanted to do it originally. 
you know, Arthur Lord said to me, uh, I'm at the palace. I've done two years on the road. And he said to me, he said, I love you in this play, Pete. He said, I can't think of anybody who would have been more perfect. Uh-huh. I said, thank you, but I can think of one guy. And he said, who? I said, Jack Cassidy. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's Cassidy was gone by then, of course. I was very close to Jack Cassidy. I love Jack. Can you tell us a little bit about Jack? Oh, can you hear me? He had affairs with women. He had affairs with men. He, you know, he was he was a hedonist, the first water, but I loved him. Do John Barrymore? No. Oh, shit. Oh. oh. Can you tell us a little bit more about Jack? Yeah, if I... I first, I didn't work with Jack. He did squares all the time. But we were in New York at the same time. He was doing, when I was doing Skyscraper, he was doing Superman. Yep, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yeah, and then uh, John McMartin was doing Charity. And those, I, I drank in those days. And we would, uh, Frankie and Johnny, the matinee, the three of us. And uh, we just had more damn fun. And Cassidy, I had more fun with Cassidy. Oh, God. And then he did squares, and I can remember going in to do squares one night, and, and Vicky, my PA, was crying. I said, what's wrong? She said, Jed, they found Jack died today. And I just it was... Shirley lives around the corner from me here yeah. in Encino. We talk. You know, she just lost her husband. But she wrote a book about her years with Jack. And uh, anyway, Jack was... He was a very special guy. He did a... It was a special they should show again. He did with Anne Bancroft, just the two of them. Cassidy and Bancroft. It was brilliant. Oh, Cassidy was the best. She loves me, and to my amazement, I was with him the night before he went uh, to open, to go into the Wow. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, we were good friends. I, I first met Jack. He was a production singer. Uh, I think it was at the Desert Inn starring Noonan and Marshall, and he was the production singer. That's when I first met Jack. Mm-hmm. And then uh, let me ask you a question, Peter, because this this came up with a couple of other people we were talking to about Lacage. When you took over uh, for the, when you did the national tour, and then you took over on Broadway, was there any hesitation on your part or your agent's part about you playing a character that was gay? Well, of course not. My mother was a costume designer. She had all these young men working for her, mm-hmm. and uh, I was maybe eight years old. And I knew they were different, and she explained the whole thing to me. So I never had a problem. That's amazing. He was a kid, but I won't even mention his name. But he was gay, and uh, I knew he was gay, but he never wanted me to know that he was gay. And we were roommates for a year and a half. Wow. That's how sad it was. Wow. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a ridiculous... No, of course not. I never had any problems with that. Would you tell me what it was like to work with Keen Curtis? Well... He was not only a wonderful actor, he was a wonderful singer, and he was a wonderful man. I don't think when we first met and to go into rehearsal, I don't think he was that keen on me. I think he thought I was this game show host who had a name and would sell some tickets. And then we got to know and adore each other. And uh, we did over 800 shows together. I was listening to the overture one night at the palace, and I said, I can't do this show anymore. I've I've done this thing for three years. And after the show, I walked down to Keen. I said, Keen, I, I don't think I can do this show anymore. He said, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and we gave our notice. And the show closed in New York. They were going to open at the, uh, what the hell is that theater? At the Mark Hellinger. Yeah, Mark Hellinger. In fact, 
my understudy was going to do uh, George, and uh, what's his name? That cute guy from Forty Second Street. I just saw him work. Oh, Leroy Reams. Uh, Leroy, he quit his job. <laughs> yeah. And they never opened. They went to divorce, but they never opened. We we just interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> just saw him work. Uh, they did a they a thing at the McCallum Theater in Palm Desert it's called One Night Only. I do it every once in a while. Oh yeah. It's about thirty some singers, and uh, they you sing one song. Uh, they did a thing on Sondheim, and uh, it, uh, I saw Leroy. Yeah, what I, yeah, was, what asking I was asking you was, you was did, you did you have a lot of musical theater, theater performers coming onto your game show? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of theater people came on, but for the most part, they were you know they were television people. Uh, but I had a lot of my old buddies on, like you know Kate Ballard and people like that. And uh, but for the most part, but yeah, they it was a show to plug something, and very yeah, rarely yeah. you know they're they're plugging a Broadway show, but. Yeah, we had, you know, I mean, we had Gloria Swanson on the show. We had Ginger Rogers on the show. We had, I mean, it was uh, George C. Scott did the show. Oh. George Saunders did the show. I mean, it, it was Ginger, you know, it was, it was amazing who did the show. Did, 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 did you, you ever, ever get starstruck? starstruck? No, not really. I was raised <laughs> in the business, so I never had a problem. I would get excited about athletes, you know, Mickey Mantle. Oh, yeah, like of that. course. Yeah. But, that, would, uh, that would be Joe a big one. Yeah. But uh, with, uh, with actors, not, no, not really. Tell us about, about your relationship, relationship with, with uh, uh, Leslie Uggams. I was over this show called Fantasy, and uh, they had a couple of uh, ideas for me at NBC. And I said, no, I want a friend of mine to be my co-host. And they said, who's that? I said, Leslie Uggams. I, they said, well, she's black. <laughs> I said, no <gasps> shit. <laughs> I said, but she's also a lot of other things. She's very talented. She's very attractive, and she would be wonderful on the show. And of course, it, it, I said, this is who I want, and that's who I got. And we just had so much fun. She's an old friend. Peter, Peter what's next for you? Uh, obviously, you wrote one book, but you're you're too busy. There's too much stuff going on. I'm still not busy like I used to be, but I'm still fairly busy. And uh, I've had the same manager for over 50 years. <laughs> and uh, and she, she keeps checking in. She said, would you like to do this? I said, sure, let's go do that. Well, well, wait, just, just, Peter, just, just to be clear, clear not the same management company, company, the same person. The same person, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was with a guy by the name of Tom Shields, and his assistant was his sister-in-law, Gloria Burke. And Tom has passed, but Gloria is still with me. And she has run my life for over 50 years. And uh, she's also wow. my age. That's incredible. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's, it's amazing. But um, it's just one of those charmed lives. Uh, we were, I was going to do an act with Kay Ballard. She's 91, and I'm 90. And we did a thing this past year on her 90th birthday and, and uh, for about 850 people. And she came out, and, and Carol Channing was there, and Carol got up. And Carol's very fragile, but when she does her act, I mean, she did, she did the uh, the sibling thing, you know, <laughs> the sibling thing. And she was brilliant. And I got up, and I sang with, with Kay, and, and they went crazy. And Kay is, we've only known each other uh, almost 65 years. Oh. And 
and we we've done stuff together, and we're awfully good together. We would do. I mean, Kay and myself would do very very well. I think. Oh yeah. Still has a huge following, and uh, and we're awfully cute together. I must say. She does her thing, I do my thing, and then we do our thing. It's really, it's really nice. Peter, you are an absolute legend, and our audience is going to love getting to reconnect with you like this. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Join us next week when our guest is Broadway historian and writer Stephen Cole. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.